1: Hello everyone, welcome back to roto Overtime on Road of biz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and as always I am joined by Sean Siegel, my co-host here on roto Overtime. And we are into NFL Draft Week, and we are doing that with one of our favourite guys to talk college football with, to talk NFL prospects with, and that is Travis May, who is Jumping aboard today's show. It is a special early edition of the week. We usually have the first show coming out on a Tuesday. This show will come out Monday. We will also have a podcast on Tuesday as we get you ready for the NFL Draft with Travis. So jumping
2: straight into it, uh, Travis, welcome back to the the podcast. Yeah, glad to be here. It's uh, NFL Draft Week, which is uh, it's kind of crept up on us. It's it, maybe that's just because I, I have a uh, five month old, and the last five months have been. A bit of a blur, but uh, yeah, you know, when when you have like a shoulder surgery, back surgery, a a kid, and a whole bunch of other things going on, uh, time flies, I guess, when you're having some fun and some other things mixed (laughs) up, but uh, when there's less going on, yeah, yeah, but it's it's gonna be here talking to wide receivers, quarterbacks, uh, whatever else you guys throw at me.
1: Yeah, we're looking looking forward to this one. And, and you mentioned there that the draft has kind of come up, but it's also at the point now I was mentioning to you before the show where I'm like, I really am excited to see what happens this week and where these guys land and, and how things play out. But we are going to talk quarterbacks and wide receivers on today's show like you hinted at there. But um, settle, it for, settle it for us, uh, Travis. Is this quarterback class good or bad? We've had people on over the last uh, month, to two months. We kind of started off our coverage for the draft with yourself jumping on. But uh, specifically the top five guys, and, and the reason I'm kind of hinting at this is myself and Sean. It's an idea that Sean had come up with that was to kind of tactically target and load up on rookie quarterbacks. And I think they're discounted relative to where they're probably going to be even in a week's time, so post-NFL draft. Do you think that'll work out for us as a strategy? And do you think some of these guys might be productive starters in the NFL sooner than consensus might believe?
2: Yeah. Just labeling something just innately bad is just, it's its such a blanket and blanket statement. You know, it's a complicated thing to to even prove. Um, I don't think it's bad. Uh, I know that we just got spoiled from a profile perspective last year uh, when we were talking about Trevor Lawrence and, and Justin Fields and, and coming off like the three, four year run of hype that they had, even coming out of high school, we knew that those players were going to be special. And then when you had, players that were later risers like Mac Jones, like uh, Zach Wilson, and then even Trey Lance, I mean, the the unicorn that he was. And so we were spoiled last year just to see this this mix of all these guys that we saw a a crazy ceiling with. Um, And that's not even throwing out Davis Mills, you know, Like, and and we didn't see it with him, and maybe we thought the ceiling on Mac Jones was a little bit low, but uh, this year is not just objectively bad from a quarterback perspective. I think that we have four quarterbacks actually that I I think I trust. I mean, five, maybe like, I I like um, Malik Willis. I like Matt Corral. I like Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, and, and Kenny Pickett. uh, He's probably going to be, you know, the second quarterback selected, maybe even the first quarterback selected, but I'm, I'm probably the least confident of the top five guys in this class. uh, in Kenny Pickett, but I mean, Malik Willis, uh, he he peaked around 40% rushing yard market share. He he can launch at 70 yards, and when you adjust for schematic variables, Malik's peak like pass efficiency marks were near the 90th percentile. Uh, Matt Corral, another guy. I mean, he like his, his pass efficiency peaked around the 95th percentile, and that's even with all the interceptions he had in his uh, 2020 season. And we we know he can add some value with his legs. Sam Sam Howell had three seasons. I mean, from from the get go, North Carolina. Uh, above the 80th percentile in terms of pass efficiency Uh, peaking around the 96th percentile by the way and an elite passer there and he had more rushing yards per game than Malik Willis did last year so (laughs) he can do it all and so and and he's actually one of the the few uh, of one of the only quarterbacks in this league that in this league this class that's actually young too he's like an early declare and then Desmond Ritter another three seasons above the 80th percentile pass efficiency pass efficiency mark and uh, every single season for cincinnati he actually had at least 14 percent of their rushing yards um and not only that he actually improved his deep passing that was the, that was the nitpick for him uh coming into this last well, uh, i guess really even early september october he really didn't explode in that regard but he had 14 touchdowns to zero interceptions on throws of 20 plus yards last fall so those four passers I'm really confident in. I'm not as confident in Kenny Pickett given a later breakout in his fifth year after being thoroughly mediocre for a very long time. But no, this, this class is not bad. I think we have four, maybe five guys who will start in the NFL.
3: Travis, what are the legitimate concerns that you are looking at for these guys? Obviously, red flag has come up all over the place for the class. I guess I'm not as interested in or worried about Malik Willis given just how many ways he can succeed and how early he's going to be picked. But some of these other guys as we're trying to figure out what to do with them, you look at someone like Matt Corral, for example, and you're hearing, you know, off the field concerns. You just mentioned that he looked good in some of your metrics, but he's also one of the guys who doesn't look particularly good in the adjusted Metrics that you posted or that you published in the Rotoviz Rookie Guide, where you're removing uh, play action and the RPO types of plays, that is something that he is criticized for. That once you remove all of these kind of gimmick structural elements from his game, that there's not a whole lot left. I guess I'm not not worried about Howell either, but Ritter, uh, Pickett. Corral, those three guys seem like there might be some things that could make them a huge potential busts. And, and one of the things too, I mean, you mentioned being spoiled by last year's class. One of the reasons I think that people have soured on, you know, the early QB production in general is that that class may have looked good, but the performance was terrible.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's, what's crazy about the NFL is it's really hard to be a good NFL quarterback. There's what? I mean, if, if we're gonna count that guy up in Green Bay, I mean we got the Green Bay stuff in the background for Colm right there. Uh, but I mean, he's he's an elite passer. You got maybe four or five other guys that we would call elite. We got this young core group coming up, but it's really tough to immediately succeed. I know if you guys make it look easy year one, uh, but some of the greats did not look good earlier in their career, and so I think we we need to remember that that was the case. I mean, Drew Brees didn't look good until he was out of San Diego. Uh, now you know, and uh, Peyton Manning was terrible in his first year. Tom Brady wasn't a thing really uh, when he began. Uh, And so uh, all these greats uh, struggled or didn't even really do much at all right out of the gate. Um, And and now it was
3: bad in a very different way than these guys from the last class.
2: were. Yes, yes, they were. (laughs) Yes. But I I think that we just get to a point where we, we microanalyze everything. um, And we forget that fields actually kind of came on strong down the stretch. Uh, Lawrence was dealing with, one of the most dramatic messes of uh, a season for any franchise ever. I, I guess like Ur- Urban Meyer faking it and acting like he could be a pro coach and uh, all the drama that, that ensued thereafter. Um, I think that there were there were some external factors that affected last year's class, but I, I get that there's definitely some concern uh, for them moving forward. I, I still actually – am a firm believer in Lawrence and fields, and even a couple of the other guys uh, from last year's class as well. But I get that there's uh, some concern for sure. But you mentioned Willis, um, you know, I actually added a couple and that will be in the next uh, rookie guide to my quarterback analysis, digging in further to, um, you know, adjusting for not only play action percentage and jet motion, uh, but actually also adjusting for the average depth of target uh, and combining those two together to uh, further identify efficient passers that are passing efficiently deeper down the field versus uh, other quarterbacks in college football. Uh, And and it's not that I'm necessarily taking those plays out, but I'm adjusting for the uh, boost and efficiency that that quarterbacks get from play action, from jet motion, from having a lower uh, average depth of target, and that boosting their completion percentage and things like that. But, um, when I do put that whole picture together, I am less concerned about Malik Willis, but he does have the least impressive pass efficiency peak among the quarterbacks in this class that we're considering uh, early in fantasy draft. So that that is a little bit of a concern because if we look at, at hit rates, historically, you need to be like a 90th percentile of efficiency, fat uh, e- efficiency passer. I can't talk uh, for the most part, unless you're a Josh Allen. Like if you, if you look at recent hits, Um, like all the big names like Justin Herbert and, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, uh, well, you know, he was a hit there for a bit before the the mess ensued, but a bunch of the guys that had crazy peak, uh, numbers, um, coming out of college, those were the, those were the guys that are hitting. And those are the guys that are getting the first round, early first round capital and then hitting in the NFL. Uh, the, like I said, the only exception really is Josh Allen, and then maybe if you include Daniel Jones as a hit, which I don't. So, um, so yeah, there's there's some concern, but Malik Willis is almost where he needs to be. He just had a really weird track to get where he um, he is now. Because I mean, he he went to this situation at Auburn where he was never going to play because Bo Nix, uh, his dad, used to play quarterback for Auburn back in the day and Knicks was a five-star quarterback and so Malik Willis came in right behind him and was never going to see the field he leaves goes to Liberty uh, where the the talent around him is absolutely non-existent Um, and he does pretty well in his first year starting uh, and then again struggles with interceptions both seasons Uh, but he's dealing with uh, really terrible talent all, all around him and just making plays that just scream that 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 is a professional quarterback that is an nfl quarterback over and over and he's and he's crushing teams on the ground too so i think for where he's going to struggle maybe early on with some turnovers with some inefficiencies in his game i think he makes up for what we love to target and that is rushing production from the quarterback position so that's why i'm least i'm less concerned with willis and really this whole class because all these guys are really good rushers. Matt Corral, great rushing production. Sam Howe, one season of really great r- rushing production. Uh, Ritter, four years of it. Even Kenny Pickett, I mean, Pitt doesn't really have a rushing game at all. But like he he even peaked around 15% of their rushing yards as well. Like he was he was uh, putting up a good, I guess, schematic of all well, um, rushing volume adjusted production as well. So none of these guys are, are statues for the most part. Uh, so I think they all can add a little bit. Um, but I, I guess there are more concerns with Pickett due to the age and the inefficiencies with Willis. Uh, but uh, but I do like the safety uh, that we get from Corral and Hal from a uh, profile perspective. And when we talk through some of these
1: profiles and there is concern, Sean mentioned with Corral earlier, some of the off-field stuff. What are some of the legitimate concerns? You know, if you're trying to break through the noise of what we're hearing at the minute, you know, off field stuff the hand sizes versus the incorrect evaluation of the talent itself what what for you is coming in here at the the most important and then is there any parts that you're hearing at the moment that you're kind of turning a blind eye to with the information coming out on
2: these players um i think as long as they get the draft capital and the team invests in in them uh early I'm not really that concerned. So this close to the draft, I'm not going to make any adjustments off of last-minute information that comes out. I mean, it's a different position, but I think of like, you guys remember that that Laramie Tunsell thing that happened? Like he, he, somebody released a video of him smoking.
1: Like an hour before the draft.
2: Like an hour before the draft. And he was supposed to be this first overall pick. And then he drops and drops and drops and drops. And it's it's this big deal. And then he's still a a star uh, offensive tackle. To this day, like the, the talent, uh, if you're an elite, elite talent at, at a really important position, like quarterback or like, uh, you know, like offensive tackle teams are going to find a way to keep you on the field and keep you on their organization. I mean, I mentioned Watson. That's a great example. Like there are all sorts of reasons why somebody could blackball him forever and ever. And uh, that didn't happen. And so i'm not really concerned there's no major red flags that i'm aware of that that have legitimate backing that i'm really concerned with as of today
3: it does seem like a lot of these and and one of the things that i have argued and we'll see if i'm even remotely correct in a couple days but the teams are trying actually to hide their interest in these qbs because they are so desperate for them i just don't buy the idea these guys are going to drop as far as some of the projections have when you have the Carolina Panthers who I mean basically have not been able to throw for a pass. And so (laughs) when you have that element to it, I mean, the Carolina Panthers are probably out there leaking like any negative information they can get on any of these. Absolutely. Yeah, that Malik
2: Willis guy's terrible. Yeah.
3: Right. And (laughs) Matt Corral is not my favorite guy from this group. He probably ranks fourth for me just ahead of Pickett. But at the same time, you know, when you hear some of this off the field stuff, I mean, if that's legitimate, then it is a concern for me, you know, you do want to have a leader at the quarterback position, but knowing that a lot of evaluators have him as the top guy, it's very easy to see why people would be like, yeah, just, you don't want him as the leader of your, your team. And, you know, I think the Cleveland Browns decided they didn't want Baker Mayfield as the leader of their team. I mean, these are legitimate concerns, but only if the concerns are real. So, Travis, take us through the top five and just kind of give us a quick ranking in terms of how long you think these guys are going to be starters in the NFL.
2: Uh, that's, a, that's a fun question. I think uh, style of play and um, the, the efficiency as a passer and the ability to run, but run smart when he only has to. I think there could be some real longevity, too, Sam Howell, I think he could start longer than any of these guys. Um, like I said, he is an early declarer. He, he was, it was an, a basically a perfect deep ball passer right out of the gate uh, for North Carolina. The, the, the drop on him has been really confusing uh, because we've known he was a really good player for a very long time. And this last season when he was robbed of all his playmakers and his two top wide receivers and both his top running backs and a few other depth players were gone, and he was like, hey, uh, by the way, th- this brand new room of, of a whole lot of inexperienced young guys. Yeah, go win 10 games with them. Now, that was just going to be impossible. And uh, he he put the team on his back uh, and just absolutely beasted. Made some tough throws, had a higher interception percentage than he ever did. But, you know, you can pick him apart. But he was just trying to win games, trying to do everything. Um, but I think he has the safest looking profile among maybe all of the quarterbacks. And so... I could see that you know we're having a conversation about him like like we do like a Kirk Cousins like he's never gonna be a top five or six quarterback in this league and that's not sexy, sexy to say, um, but he's gonna be good enough to stay and start for a very long time and be above that Andy Dalton line of mediocrity and so I I, I like how I think he would be the number one to start the longest um, after that before you get
3: any further though I got I mean I have. Sam Holland, basically every league. But I'm gonna go Dude. sell half because you just mentioned Kirk Cousins.
2: <laughs> you know what, what's funny is though, like Cousins has been a quarterback one how many years now? Like five out of the last six years. I think he's been a top 12 quarterback and he's been quarterback eight, six, seven, nine, whatever. And um, that's that's solid. I know we we hate on on Kirk Cousins, but uh, I, he's been great. He's been on some championship teams for me. So I don't know.
3: <laughs> I, I McKirk mean, cousins is basically like those Alabama quarterbacks in college where it's just like, if you couldn't succeed in some of those situations then, but no, I, I get what you're saying. I'm going to go, I, I'm going to go with Sam Howell as a short Josh Allen and, hey State. i like that he's gonna be a top five fantasy <laughs> short people.
2: josh allen that so. would be awesome that would be amazing
3: hey if that's, were- that's gonna be my ridiculous call, but no i didn't mean to, to take this off the rails you're, you're doing good i love the howl <laughs> number one who's number two here
2: oh man uh longevity mm. uh i'd probably go with i know it's it's mm. i'll go with i'll go with desmond ritter how about that how about that that, that guy is also he, he's really fun he's really smart uh, he's really improved in all the areas that he needed to improve in. And he's been rising consistently throughout this entire draft process. I wouldn't be surprised if he was the third quarterback taken uh, in the NFL draft. I mean, he was in the quarterback six or seven com- conversation, even until late last November, uh, even despite what Cincinnati was doing. Uh, but he's just he's just good at everything. And the processing, I think, uh, against uh, top level competition. Uh, he froze sometimes against Alabama, but that was the biggest stage you could ever play on, imaginable. So I think I, I trust him to be a long term guy. I, I would rank Matt Corral higher um, if my recency bias wasn't clouding my judgment. And and be, I mean honestly, it's he, he got hurt in uh, the bowl game, and that that stinks. And he is a little bit smaller, so I see I could see him getting hurt. He just plays angry and runs angry, and that's not going to work in the pros. And for the same reason, uh, Willis, uh, I think, would rank ahead of him here um, being a longer term starter because he's he's built a little bit thicker uh, than Corral and uh, runs, I think, a little bit smarter too. like he he's he's more elusive and and actually can get down and doesn't try to kill people (laughs) like Corral does. Like I, I can't remember which game it was, maybe the Tennessee game or yeah, he ran like 30 times as a quarterback almost. It was it was insane. So he needs to tone that down or he's not going to have a very long career. Uh, so Corral fourth, Pickett fifth, um, mainly because I don't believe that Pickett's going to be a long-term uh, quarterback anymore. I think I, I tried to sell myself on him uh, just because of his crazy peak production. But the more and more I dug into it, uh, the more I was just making excuses to make him fit. Cause like he was just not good at football for a long time. And then all of a sudden had a good offensive coordinator and uh, the Blatnikoff award winner, the bet, you know, for the best wide receiver in football, Jordan Addison. And he looked a whole lot better. Um, and so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to put him up on a pedestal. And then uh, outside of that Carson strong, because he's Mr. Negative 300 rushing yards. And I don't care about that guy.
3: So it seems like we're going to go poor man's Marcus Mariota for Ritter and then yeah, Corral cool. and Willis something's going to happen there. And then we have, you know, your Kirk cousins, uh, Andy Dalton <laughs> guy with Kenny Pickett. And really the difference between Kirk cousins and Andy Dalton is just, you know, whether or not you get to play with those elite receivers in a, a better facility
2: at the end of your career there. Yeah, uh, that, that would help. I mean, if Andy, imagine if Andy Dalton was the Bengals quarterback now,
3: that'd be a lot of fun. And you know, <laughs> also I imagine <laughs> no, yeah. like the hand stuff, is always kind of funny yeah. to me, but there's never been a quarterback who, as soon as like it started misting that you're like, well now they're never going to complete a pass quite like Andy Dalton. <laughs> he would go from a very average QB <laughs> to someone who oh, like the ball would come out of his hand sideways and, you know, end over end and you know, every <laughs> pass he would throw from that point. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every <laughs> pass once it starts raining from Andy Dalton is like,
2: a yeah, pretty it, it's like a, Hail it's Mary. like, you know, on NBA jam where and when, you, when you're going to shoot, I don't know if you ever played that basketball game, but back in the day, NBA jam, you'd shoot a, a, a bad shot. And before it would even get to the rim, it would turn into a literal brick and it would spin over like end over end. And then it'd smack the rim because it was a literal brick. That's that's what it looks like. That's, that's, what, that's what came to mind for me. But anyway, for the three listeners that play M- NBA jam in the 90s, there you go. Yeah, so we've got some good comps here
3: for the quarterbacks. I think we probably got people's hopes up really high by comparing him to Andy Dalton and Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota, again, I just yeah. every time I mention him, I want to say I'm still rooting for him. I still think he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised at some of the trades for him in fantasy because it's not going to be with the LNF Falcons, but Marcus Mariota still a future. QB1. Colin, take us into the wide receiver questions. We have our wide receiver guru on the show with us today.
0: Hey Rotoviz fans. This is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. Taking a minute to let you know that as a loyal Rotoviz listener, you can get 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code
2: RVRadio2022 at checkout. It gives you full access to all of our content and tools. And again, That's RV Radio 2022 at checkout for 10% off a one-year Rotovis subscription. Enjoy the podcast.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: Something that's like this last offseason has been, maybe there has been in the past, maybe it is recency bias, but it's been one of the the more out there off seasons in the NFL. We've seen the wide receiver contracts kind of explode. We've first seen Christian Kirk. Then we've seen the trades for Devontae Adams. And after that, Tyreek Hill. And it doesn't feel like we're, we're done with the that as we head into the draft. And maybe some stuff will happen after the draft. But do you think that the recent emphasis on the passing game in the NFL and then the kind of explosion of recent... Wide receiver contracts will change the viability of some of these wide receivers in round one, you know, get them under that potential five year contract, much lower salary versus what we're seeing then with the likes of the Debo Samuel contract situation at the moment. And should fantasy drafters then, because of that, be more enthusiastic about some of the guys who may be later and they're around like an Olave, a Dotson, or a Williams than they currently are?
2: Yeah, I think Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, the the very loud uh, situations going on about them uh, wanting to get their contracts, you know, figured out and re-signed, and those were second-round wide receivers. And uh, had they gotten that fifth-year option, that would have been much more friendly for the team. And we've already seen uh, a recent trend uh, of teams actually taking late first-round wide receiver shots uh, in recent years. Like, I mean. I'm not sure that even looking back to, I don't know, like guys like Brandon Ayuk or even oh, last year, like uh, Rashad Bateman, or uh, even well, Nikhil Harry uh, you know, or uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown, like guys like that. I'm not sure that uh, those guys would have been first round picks had it not been for the idea of like, oh, well, we should probably reach for this guy right here so that we can lock him in. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I, And I don't know how much goes into that thought, but, of like, uh, well, we need to reach seven more picks to get this guy to lock him in an extra year. But I think given the contracts and the situations we've seen recently uh, where teams can just up and lose their best player on offense, that's a that's a huge deal. And so I, I think we could see that trend continue and even maybe move more aggressively for teams to just get really key players that they want at the back of round one, uh, especially the players that are going to, you know, be loud about the production that they're doing here and there and they deserve this and uh, oftentimes that's wide receivers and so yeah i could see a few names sneaking in to the late first this year that we might not have even thought Uh, and so yeah that will be interesting like like jahan dotson is probably the number one name that has been like that fringe first projection for a while that i could definitely see uh going around picks 26 27 you know something like that because Hey, we, we need to lock this guy up. If we believe we need to lock this guy up now,
3: we're definitely going to see a lot of wide receivers taken. I guess I, I'm not clear on how the contracts necessarily factor in that much since you're, are, you know, you based on where the teams are moving to, you know, they're going to get that extra year or not with the players that they select at that point. Obviously, in these situations here, if you're looking just at, at the mechanisms the teams have to keep these guys under team control i mean you have the four years you have the franchise tag you have some of these other things that fifth year option isn't going to necessarily satisfy a guy who thinks that he's outplayed his contract I and mean, we know these guys are going to want their contracts renegotiated early but we are going to have a huge number of people at the end of the first round early in the second round is there a little bit of a risk there in terms of thinking of these guys as You know, top 45 picks. One of the things obviously that comes into play as soon as the draft happens is that you can plug in the draft slot into your wide receiver model. And that's going to give you some information about the likelihood of the player to number one score points. And that's what most of the models are based on. But then this idea of, you know, what it's a proxy for, obviously how much the team likes them, what the opportunity is going to be early. We know that these trends are accelerating in terms of the early opportunity, but you know, do we have the other risk of if this position is now being emphasized in a way that it was not even five years ago that we can't really look at these guys as first round picks, either from a talent perspective or sort of relative to other guys in the draft? Because a lot of the names that are being mentioned right now, you know, you look at them and you look at your adjusted production index and it's kind of hard to figure out why they would be there
2: yeah i mean yeah this class is interesting because we we knew for a while that the the production from this class was going to be one one of the worst collective sets of production profiles in the history in i guess in modern college football history uh part of it is because of the pandemic part of it because this was just a trash uh class for a while like i mean like even dating back to the Recruiting class when it came in, we were like, "This is kind of a bad group," <laughs> and we didn't see almost any of them break out. Like uh, Pickens did great, but even like the wide receiver one, consensus uh, Garrett, we- uh, Garrett Wilson, he, like peaked around thirty-one percent dominator. Like he wasn't through the roof, uh, like crazy impressive from a production profile standpoint. Uh, like the most impressive one uh, was Traylon Burks, and uh, we've got other questions, I guess, about him, like with with like, how fast. Can he actually accelerate? I think that's been the, the question this off season. And uh, then he's in this weird slot role. like he's just this odd projection to begin with. He, he's got the best production profile, but he has other questions. Um, so I guess, yeah, if I compared this class to other ones, like are these first rounders really equal to uh, a class like last year with when theres where there's a Jamar chase in the mix? And I don't think that there's any of these guys that I would even try to attempt uh, to uh, compare to like Jamar Chase. I don't have that kind of projected outcome for any of them. And so I'm not saying that if you squeak into the back of round one, uh, that means less than it did 10 years ago. It might, but I don't, I don't really respond typically and make those kind of uh, conclusions, uh, build those conclusions into my process until we, I have more actionable data, I guess. Uh, to do it but I, I could see that trend moving in that direction though Sean uh, absolutely uh, because yeah Jahan Dotson doesn't have a perfect profile and probably most years wouldn't be a first round pick but he is this year so that that's that might change things slightly in terms of how you invest or reach in a rookie draft on a player like that
1: you mentioned there are some of the concerns around Burks potentially um how concerned are you about Burks and London is there legitimate concerns with both of those guys for you
2: um, I, I like both of them, by the way, uh, and, and what I'm going to say is going to sound negative, just be given where the, the league has been going. Um, but like when's like the last time we saw like team big wide receiver have a a first round pick and, and then that first round pick was just, you know, an absolute smash, you know, like like a first round player, because I mean, there have been some OK uh, players that in round two that were team big wide receiver but like the last one that was truly like bigger than 62 and bigger than you know 210 ish you know like <laughs> Nikki, Harry uh and before that was like Mike Williams in 2017 and he's been pretty good uh Kevin White in 2015 you know <laughs> so uh you know that 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 archetype that that particular type of wide receiver the league has been moving away from them for quite some time uh Jamar Chase is a thick, you know, he's 6'1", two, I think it was 208 or something at the combine. Uh, he was thick enough. He's, like, the perfect prototype of what all wide receivers should look like. Uh, but guys like De- Devontae Smith, who was, like, 170-something soaking wet, uh, you know, that was surprising to see him, I guess, go top 10 um, in recent classes. I mean, like, not that it's it's that, that speed and separation is everything. Like, Henry Ruggs and John Ross looking right at you guys. Um But the NFL clearly cares less and less about uh, that weight uh, that we like to say is super important or the BMI that we say is super important. Uh, Because when we look at our historical data, uh, it says that it is. However, in the last five or six years, it's saying in terms of draft capital that it's less and less important than ever. And so when you got Drake London, who's just not testing because he was injured and he's Really not that fast anyway, and then the Traylon Burks runs like a four-five-five, five, which that that sparks some questions. Um, I do wonder how early these guys are going to get taken. I like both of them. I have first-round grades on both of them. Uh, London was absurd, averaging like eight catches a game or or more. I guess at times last year was like the best wide receiver in football at times. Burks can moss anybody, and uh, his top speed is absurd, and he is an absolute unicorn. Like he he's this weird run after catch guy who's 230 pounds like that's odd (laughs) like that's really weird but i wouldn't be surprised if Traylon burks fell out of round one because of uh how teams are valuing that position and the speed and the separation at that position and we look at where teams target those kind of guys are bigger 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 body guys in recent years like higgins or Cortland sutton or a few other names like Chase Claypool, even like third, second round wide receiver. So Burks wouldn't be a surprise to me if he actually fell out of round one. And that would make people panic even more. And that would finally make the investment in Burks super palatable. And I'd probably have him on all my teams. Uh, London, I think he's not as uh, beastly and big. And the people want to comp him to Mike Evans. He's not that. Uh, but I think he's he's probably safer to go inside of round one than Burks is just by abstaining from the 40, he's helped him out. He's helped himself out.
3: Well, I guess, you know, what I'm hearing you say there is mostly that the NFL isn't good at what they're doing. So maybe I mean, if the guys that might getting be what I'm saying too, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't bother me. And the fact that yeah. the NFL missed on AJ Brown and DK Metcalf and for whatever yep. reason, let those guys fall to that point. Yep. You know, they mess up. If, if Traylon Burks and Drake London are AJ Brown and DK Metcalf, I'll be, I'll be fine with that obviously they're not exact <laughs> one-to-one yes com- comparables but kind of that point there so that kind of brings me to my next question where we are hearing everywhere now that trey Burks will actually fall out of the first round for a handful of guys who weren't good in college and you know i there's just one of these kind of general rules that people who weren't good in college against that level of competition it's unusual that they suddenly become good against nfl players, but, What's the scenario I should be most worried about here? So as a Chiefs fan, we had the Jonathan Taylor selection instead go to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. The Chiefs already seem like they're trying to antagonize, not necessarily me, but just people in general, (laughs) by saying they've got like 16 to 18 guys with first-round grades, and they have picks outside of that range. And as a result, I mean, the only conclusion that you can draw from that is that they are already telegraphing to people that they're going to do absurd things in the draft it's like just just let us wait for thursday to find that out you don't have to tell us <laughs> now but yeah what should i be most concerned about here in terms of receivers the chiefs are going to draft instead of Traylon Burks?
2: oh man going for like christian watson that would be just horrifying like as <laughs> one didn't they already so but MVS is there now, right? Marcos Valdez Scantling, he, he's a chief. Am I, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. So I've joked on a couple of the shows that Christian Watson, like people are talking about like him going to the chiefs. And I'm like, they already have Christian Watson. And Marcos Valdez Scantling is, is, is it, they're, they're clones of each other. Like they're, if you put them right next to each other, you'd be like, oh, uh, uh, and like you didn't have like the headshots to remind you who was who, like, You would have no idea because like the exact same height, they run like the exact same 40. They're gangly, flexible dudes who who get used deep down the field. And uh, neither of them have good production profiles uh, coming out of uh, college. And Christian Watson only produced against FCS competition and one week at the senior bowl. And so, yeah, that would be terrifying. Like if if I was thinking, oh man, Christian Watson, first round talent, dude might pan out. That would be awesome coming out of FCS, but that's stupid to take him that early like that's there's no we can at least dream there right i like, mean there are some
3: guys the chiefs are probably gonna pick here that you can't even like dream about them being good
2: mm, I, I i almost can't dream about christian watson but but being good but yeah, <laughs> that's i mean because he's like in that, that that mix where they're like he's rising into the first round conversation and as an fcs wide receiver with like just no proof to actually being good against good teams. Like that's that's concerning. Like that's a huge, huge red flag.
3: When I was talking with Pat and Curtis the other day, we were going through some sleepers, and Alec Pierce is one of the names. He's yeah. another guy who tested it as a just freakish athlete. We all kind of thought, though, and we'll probably all three be wrong on this, but that you hmm. probably have to pick between Ritter and Pierce because. Like one way or the other, one of those guys should have actually put up better numbers, especially against the competition they're playing against. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's true? And if you had to pick, I mean, y- your team Ritter, so does that put us pretty far down on Alec Pierce?
2: Oh yeah, Pierce has no business going. I mean, he's going he's gonna to be one of those guys that like three or four years from now, you're like, oh yeah, that guy was, he was like pick day two. Like, what the heck were they thinking? Like, you say day two, but it's going to be to the Chiefs. Probably. It probably him and Christian Watson to the Chiefs.
3: <laughs> yeah, they just go one two. They're like, we only had sixteen guys with a, a round one grade, so we decided to take gra- guys with round four grades because yeah, we think we can obviously. coach them up.
2: That's clearly what they did with Miko Hardman too. So
1: that, that feels like uh, you know the Chiefs, Sean. If that happens, we'll really be setting it out in the show sheet today. Sean did mention <laughs> Alex Pierce and Christian Watson as like two potential bad options. If they draft <laughs> both of them, I, I don't know what. Yeah. So what, what I was
3: able to overcome the big AFC championship game meltdown very quickly. I was able to overcome the Tyreek Hill trade very quickly, but I'm never going to get over the Clyde Edwards-Alaire <laughs> draft decision. And I feel like they're already <laughs> setting me up for Thursday. So we'll,
2: oh, we'll see man. What That's going to be so bad. <laughs> So
1: we'll see, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but really looking forward to the Tuesday edition as well. We will be back to make some predictions for the NFL draft, and that one, Travis, will be joining us as well. Travis, before we do let you go today, have you anything coming out, or do you just want the listeners to check out everything
2: on the old Twitter feed? The old Twitter feed? Uh, the old Twitter feed uh, I'll, I'll be busy this week. I've been a little bit slower as of late, just because uh, life's been insane with uh, weddings and funerals and new buildings on added onto our church and all a whole bunch of other stuff, <laughs> but I'll be back to it. And uh college to Ken podcast with Stefan and Matt, we've been doing some mock draft stuff. We've got some more stuff coming. And then I I'm working on a few more rookie pieces here that should be out here soon uh, on the NFL draft. And of course the rookie guide, I mean like that's going to be a lot of fun working with Sean and, and company on that again here soon for the final edition there.
1: Thanks again to Travis for coming on the podcast. Always the go-to person, you know, around, especially if we can get him on on draft week, it's a perfect time to get him on. And we are going to have him back tomorrow on Tuesday. As I mentioned, the schedule is a little bit different this week with the draft happening on Thursday. We are having Monday OT. We're going to have a Tuesday Rotoviz overtime. Then we will be back on Saturday, but it's likely to be, well, it definitely will be, in fact, a evening Saturday release. So we re- usually release overtime on Saturday mornings in the U.S. and Eastern Standard Time, but this week, because of the draft, we will be recapping what happens on the Saturday, so that will be coming out in the evening on Saturday for you. We'll also have slightly updated schedules, uh, potentially, for Stealing Bananas, but you will get your Wednesday show from Stealing Bananas, and then we'll be informing you throughout the week probably the best place to find out all the different shows when they releases my twitter feed at overtime ireland and of course if you're subscribed to the feeds you get them all once they come out to get a notification so that's all also perfect there sean did tease it as well uh on the end of the draft special that we did on sunday we got ourselves another draft over at underdog and remember if you sign up over at underdog and you use the code rotoviz they will give you a hundred percent sign up matched bonus but he mentioned that the most entertaining review of Rotowise OT over the next seven days will win themselves a copy of the draft guide for Rotowise. So that is something that I think everyone should head on over and do. Refresh your written if you have left one already. Well, don't refresh your written. Give us a five star. But uh, refresh your comment. I think uh, maybe we should. Have, <laughs> I should have phrased that one correctly. But yeah, it's going to be a fun week. It is action packed. But uh, we've got lots of content coming your way. Don't worry about that. But that is going to wrap us up for today's edition of the show. And we will be back, as I mentioned, on Tuesday with a Bold Predictions episode for round one with Travis, with Sean, with myself. So we will be back tomorrow. And of course, until we're back, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rodoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rodavis Radio Podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotevizradio at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rodavis Radio homepage, rotaviz.com forward slash podcast.